in relation to courses being released, and they see a low success rate. They, they, it, they, they see a low success rate. Now, we talked about this before. What makes one person different than the other is not the course that they take. It's the action that they take from the course. Because let me, none of the gurus want me to say this, but all of the information that you need to be successful in any of the disciplines of selling on Amazon is on YouTube for free. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, it's me. It's Q4. Got to bring up my Amazon seller tribe. Um, this is probably, you know, one of the last chances you're going to get to join this year. So I'll, I'll run this for a couple of weeks, but, um, the, the good news is you could still get in, right? They are allowing people in, but at some point they're going to cut it off. So I suggest you join today. Try it with 14 days for free. Okay. So you don't like it. You don't get value drop. Um, however, don't only measure on the value of what you're buying, measure on the value of the impact it has on your business. And what I love about this group, the Amazon Seller Tribe, is the amazing way they invest into your business. They will help you with all the questions. Go out and check out uh, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. Look at the testimonials. Those are real people. Reach out to them, right? You can kind of figure out who they are and go out and figure out uh, and ask them, is it real? Are they really helpful? Will they help my business? And you will be blown away. Again, you get 14 days free if you join through my link only. And they do pay me, so I don't want you to, I don't mislead anybody. Um, but I believe in them. I'm in the groups. You'll see me, and you'll get to talk with me too. So, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. I know it's a lot. Momentum hyphen arbitrage. And you're going to get 14 day free trial on the daily find list. Make a purchase. Get your money back and then say, huh, I can do this again. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum arbitrage. They are going to close it. Q4 is here. It's going to happen. Get ready. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 413, Jeff Cohen from Seller Labs. Uh, been a long time since I talked with Jeff. And what's interesting, we discuss risk. I think risk is just something that is very important um, for you to consider in your business. And, you know, depending on the business and depending on where you are in your business, if you don't have employees, then you don't have workman's comp issues. Um, but if you have employees, you have to plan for workman's comp. And what does that look like? There's risk, right? Or inventory. Where's your risk? Or um, advertising or gray hat black hat. So we talk a lot about those things. And we also talk about that Jeff is a seller. Uh, most people don't know that. Um, and why he sells. I think that's important. Um, let me give you a clue. Relevancy. And I think that that really helps. And that's why you can have an intelligent conversation and he knows what he's talking about because he's been there and he understands it. So very, very cool. Let's get into the podcast. And welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Excited to have an old guest return. Old. He's getting old. old. Like, is that old as an age? Um, you know, I'm just going to let people hear it and figure out, um, you know, no. Jeff Cohen. Welcome back, Jeff Cohen. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you having me back on. I, I, I guess you and I chat on a regular basis, but we haven't recorded in, in, in a really long time. It's been a long time, So especially since we talked about this business. You know, you guys, we talked about Toys for Tots in between, but about business and some of the crazy changes that are going on, which I think, you know, you're an expert to talk about that. Um, and we're going to talk about Jeff Cohen selling. 
which people are going to be like, wait, I still think most people don't know that you have an Amazon account and you don't steal their private label products or you don't steal their retail arbitrage. You don't go to Toys R Us. Well, no, you don't go to Target. I guess you don't go to Toys R Us. You don't go to Target and scan end caps for, because you saw somebody had it on their account. So we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and I think most people don't know that. And I think that's going to be, um, you know, I want to talk about why. But it's been, you know, three plus years. And I think there's been a few changes in the business um, in the last three plus years. Would you say that's a fair statement? I'd say that's uh, the, that's three calendar years. That's <laughs> not three Amazon years. So, yeah, Which that's is like right. 21 Amazon years, yeah, right? No, like, no doubt. Um, some of the stats that just recently came out, I saw, again, the number of sellers at certain levels. Did you see that chart where there were... Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah. The numbers that Amazon releases around sellers who are over a hundred K and over. Yeah. Did that surprise you in any way when you looked through that list? Well, you know, I think that what that doesn't surprise me, it's been, it's been constantly growing at about a 30 to 40% uh, clip over the last three or four years that we've been tracking it. Uh, I think that what, I don't want to say is surprising, but is most interesting is that Amazon, they, they use very vague terminology similar to how they build out their um, terms of service. And so it's hard to tell whether the growth is real or not because ah. they say at least 100,000 sellers, um, at least 130,000 sellers. They call them at least 130,000 small to medium business sellers. So they're trying to get their message across. They're trying to get a message across to the market that they're in support of small business, uh, that they're not putting the, you know, the local businesses out of, out of business, but they're actually supporting local businesses like yours and mine and Andy's and um, all the other people that, that we interact with in this space. Um, but they're, you know, that, that they're not just here for the big guys. And that's really, I think, what they're trying to do with those numbers. Um, but I would also say that in general, over the last couple of years, I've seen the number of masterminds and private groups around million-dollar sellers uh, continue to grow and grow. Hmm. And so um, what well, happens— Because the iron sharpens iron kind of model, was that— it's yeah. Well, what happens is, is that when you're looking to when you when you're, I just had a conference uh, last week. Seller Labs is doing these like little one day workshops around the country in different cities, small format, right? There were 22 people there, and it was in Denver. And what what was really interesting about that was how many people there were like surprised at the quality of Amazon sellers who were also in the Denver area. Hmm. Like they felt very alone and then they went to this event and they were like, cool, look at these other great sellers that are here. And I think that what happens is, is that we start to engage and we start to uh, engage in the community. And then as we engage in the community, um, we want to start to separate ourselves with people that can help us with our business versus people we're helping with their business. And so it's a natural tendency that as your business grows, you still want to socially be involved, but you don't necessarily find the content is useful or maybe the initial networking is useful because you've built your own 
connections within the community. I I think some of it, too, is the challenges are different, right? So in that example you're giving, I'm assuming some of those companies now have staff, right? Because they had to size up, right? They had to scale. Um, Those challenges now, when you, it was part of our pre-call you and I were chatting about, when you have employees that you have to deal with, those are different challenges than just talking about how do you, what tape do you use on a box? I mean, I'm a bad example, but you know what I mean. It's like, or how do you run an ad campaign? That's different when you scale it up to an extra zero or two. Is that fair? And so, therefore, you need a different discussion, maybe. That's very true, and I think that one of the things that we've seen is that there, you know, a few years ago, there was one big player in the space who was teaching people how to sell on Amazon. Mm. Today, there are many gurus or self-appointed gurus in the space who are trying to teach people how to sell on Amazon. And um, I think that some people enter through that type of community. But even, you know, like one I know you talk about regularly, like either, you know, the the guys at the Wholesale Formula or, or Andy's group, when Amazing you age freedom. out, when you age out of the group, right? When when you're done knowing the basics, you're still looking for community, and so you seek to find people mm. that can kind of push you even higher. And so maybe it's about managing your staff. One of the things that I find really interesting when I talk to people at trade shows is that they have this uh, they have this balance of somebody on stage told them to do something, and they really want to do it but they really came to the show with a problem in their own business and that's the biz- the problem they're trying to solve. And so um, you and I both know this. It's human nature that I want to talk about me. I don't want to talk about you. And so there's this uh, interesting dichotomy that happens in human relationships where I'm interested in you, but I'm really only interested in you if you can help me. Hmm. And we don't talk about that, but that's the reality of how human interaction works. And most people who are givers um, understand that the receiving occurs by giving, and they're willing to give over time because they've received in different ways. But in general, and I call it, um, I I call it one up Scotty. That's what I call it. Hmm. And so we all have a friend that's this way. So you talk about a vacation that you went on, and then your friend goes, oh, well, let me tell you about my vacation, right? So everybody always wants to kind of one-up. Well, when you're trying to take your business to the next level, you want to hear what people have to say, but you really want to find someone that can help you solve your problem. So maybe you're struggling with uh, trademarks and brand registry, and if they happen to be presenting on that, then you're really interested in that topic. Maybe you're struggling with advertising and ad management on Amazon. Um, or if you can connect with somebody that can help you with that, you get really engaged with wanting that level of help. And I think the challenges that you have as your business grows become more complex um, because it's just the, the nature of this business um, if you're really, and I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but if you're an RA guy or gal and you go to a store and you buy products and you ship them and you, and you box them and you ship them to Amazon and then you rinse and repeat that every day, that's the complexity of your business. If you start to 
um, negotiate with the store manager and start trying to reach out to manufacturers, you've added complexity to your business. And as, uh, as you choose to add complexity to your business, you need to surround yourself with people who have similarly solved that complexity to help you in the long run. Hmm. That makes perfect sense. You know, you talked about gurus. Now, I've noticed, I just saw another uh, post this week or last week about another uh, organization that Amazon is suing. Um, I, yep. I assume you saw that too. Yeah, and it's a very that. large, and I don't know who, I don't know any of these people. It's funny, out of all the people's names that have been named, I don't know any of them. I don't travel in those circles. Um, and I try to vet you know, pretty carefully who I let on the show. And so, yep. you know, not knowing what the story is, other than we're talking fifteen to $30,000 now to get in these courses and, and over time. One of the, the things, you know, if you have a brand, you're a company, you're a business, Fifteen thirty thousand dollars is no big deal to bring in a consultant or an expert to come in and help train your organization or you know integrate your this new channel in your sales organization, right? However, for startup individuals, I mean, what do you guys? I mean, you guys must see this. You must have people who approach you all the time saying, "Ooh, is this worth it?" You know, they're telling me I'm ten to fifteen thousand dollars to get started. What What are you seeing out there, uh, or what are you? telling people or, you know, what's the buzz that you, you see? Yeah. Um, I read the article. We've seen this come through a couple of times. I always feel great when I see Amazon do that, but ultimately remember Amazon's suing Amazon's suing them more because they try to portray themselves as a division of Amazon. Uh, okay. Then, then, then that Amazon's really trying to protect new entrants into the space. Um, I believe that masterminds and masterminds can cost you ten thousand plus right. um, are extremely valuable um, if they're done correctly and you enter with the right mindset. I believe courses and they run from three to five thousand in general. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I've seen them a little less than that. Maybe a thousand to to five thousand is the high end one. That would yeah. be the high end one that I've seen. Um, and I think, I think one, I think like the wholesale formula, I think they were like three grand last time I saw. Yeah. Um, so, so, and I know you promote wholesale formula. I promote wholesale formula. I mean, so it's, we've promoted courses in the past. Um, I think that a course can be very valuable to you. Um, if you are using the course as a, as a means to provide structure and accountability to the actions that you're taking. And I think that's the kicker um, because all of the information. Uh, well, you said it there. Hold on. on I don't want to say that. It's the action you are taking. You, the, the course. The action you are taking. That's right. There's the yeah. thing for me is if you're not an action taker, I always tell people don't take that course because you're going to, it's a waste of money. You're not going to do it. Yeah, don't, so, you know, regardless. I've had people from Amazon tell me that they've, they have they they can actually track when increases in um, new seller accounts occur in relation to courses being released and they see a low success rate. They, oh, they, interesting. They, they, they see a low success rate. Now, we talked about this before. What makes one person different than the other is not the course that they take, it's the action that they take from the course. Because let me, none of the gurus want me to say this, but all of the information that you need to be successful 
in any of the disciplines of selling on Amazon is on YouTube for free. For free. Yep, 100%. You got to put in the 1,000 hours, but you could do the 1,000 hours yourself. Yeah. You do not need it's not organized. It, it's not organized. It's not, it's not as organized. It's not as structured. You don't have, you know, and that, and, and, and I know I'm not here to plug um, Andy's, I don't even remember the name of his Amazing course, freedom. but I, I've always thought that one of the things that Andy did different in his course than what I've seen in any other course is the level of um, accountability that he is giving to, like he genuinely wants everybody to launch a product and succeed. He'll show um, you his products and, and it's yes. hilarious. And you know, it's like, whoa, people actually, like he'll actually show you his product where nobody would do, oh well, Jeff, you know, I Most sold this. <laughs> Most of the other pro no, no other program will 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 do that, and mm -hmm. I'm not. And here's what I always tell people, um, I, you know, I I I have a relationship with Andy, with Scott Volker, mm -hmm. with Jim Cochran, mm -hmm. with the amazing sellers, with the startup brothers. Right, that's a whole with that's a whole different. Each one of those is very is a very unique and different type of individual. You have to figure out who you connect with. 100%. And if you connect with that person and you believe that that person is speaking to you in a way that will motivate you to take action, then the value of that course is is there. Right. It's um, a jump start. But, but here's the point. If you're not, if you get a bad vibe, run. Yes, run. 100%. Run because you're yeah. going to get turned off and it's not going to do anything. Don't waste your money. And I think the other thing is, is that um, the other thing I think for people that are that are getting started is you have to have a um, you have to have like most people who I think you do a good job of this on your podcast, but most people who talk in this space, most gurus who talk, are only telling you the positive that happened. Hmm. They stay away from the negative, and I think that. Um, what I what I always t I was speaking with a lady and she was talking about her business and she said I really need to get into bundling and I said why and she said well I heard this great presentation about mm -hmm. bundling and what it can do for your business I said great but how does that apply to you and what you're trying to do because what you have to understand is that the person who was talking about bundling was trying to sell a bundling course and that's not a knock on bundling. That's not a knock on the bundling course. I have nothing wrong with the course that she has on bundling. It's actually a really good course. But it doesn't mean that it works for everybody. And so you have to understand that any of us who speak in this space have an ulterior motive of what we want you to do. And we want you to do something that ultimately will benefit us. So I want to tell you how hard advertising is so that you come to me and say, can you run advertising for me? But I'm also, I tr personally try to be honest and say, you can teach yourself advertising, but I can do it for you in a more efficient, more effective manner because of the skill sets that we have. And I'm not trying to say like all gurus are bad, but I'm the good one. What I'm trying to say is um, you have to understand what your – you have to understand the problem you're trying to solve in your business and then understand whether you're aligned with the guru who's teaching you. That's the kicker.
Yeah, and, and and then to take an action, you know, and and you can buy time. I mean, that's what a that's what a course will do for you. It'll buy you time, right? You know, there it buys you access, right? There's 15 steps in this, and if they can help you get through those 15 steps quickly, that buys you time, right? And time. Well, you, I mean, you've done this. You've done this on the podcast side. You've you've bought into things so you could become connected with oh, John Lee Dumas and other yeah. other other two big... grand. John was smiling. <laughs> right and and um and and didn't you go down to like Dave Ramsey or or Dan Miller um, but yes 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 yeah I Dan Miller I knew it yep. was one of those guys you 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 because you because you were looking not just to gain their knowledge because you knew they could take you to another level but you also wanted access to them um and that's a very I mean that's a that's money very well spent but but you had a specific purpose and an action you knew you were gonna take based off of um based off of that uh, investment hmm. well let's go back to the bundling thing i think there's a this is this is a, a thing i want to nail down that lady that was going to do bundling is your advice to say hey where are you going with your business where do you want your business to go and if bundling fits into that master plan then man that's awesome and if that's Absolutely. the right person but if it doesn't, because you're going to want to, you're building out your sandpaper brand. I'm making something up. I don't know why. But you know that doesn't make sense. Then don't waste your. It's a distraction. It's a yep. shiny object because you heard somebody and they were convincing. Like you're saying, they were convincing on stage. That's what they do. Yep. They had and influence. That's exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is mm. is that it's not whether that was a good course or not. It's that this particular person. What they needed to do to get there, I, I look at um, I look at an Amazon business as a river flowing down the street, fl uh, water flowing down the the river, and the river is full of dams, and every time you break through a dam, what happens? The water goes gushing down until it hits the next um, point that dams it back up, and what we have to do to make our businesses successful is we have to figure out what's damming up our business. And if we can break through that dam, hmm. then we can use that as our ability to take our business to the next level. And so for you, it might be a more efficient way to train your warehousing staff. For me, it might be getting my brand through brand, my, my, logo through uh, trademark so I can get brand registry or for somebody else it might be launching international and for somebody else it might be bundling their products with other products and so when we when we look at all the different levers you can pull throughout a successful Amazon business there are literally hundreds of them and I think the skill to master is not necessarily every lever that you need to pull, but the ability to identify what that next lever is that will give you the most benefit for your business moving forward. Well, that brings up a, a question. How do you figure out? So you're, what you're describing, I always I use a master gardener, right? A master gardener, they use a master plan for your house, right? They would say, okay, here's what it's going to look like. And then you, every time you do something, you're doing it towards that plan, right? You're adding yep. the azaleas yep, here, that, right? Yep, we had that built. We had that built when we, when we moved into our house. How yeah. do we suggest then these Amazon listeners, right? They're listening to us right now and they're saying, hmm, you know, what you're saying makes sense, Jeff, but how do I get 
a master plan for my business because there are so many things. And the bigger challenge is the changes that Amazon and other companies, brands, other brands are having um, without consulting Steve or Jeff. They don't call and say, hey, what do you think? These changes are happening and makes it more challenging. How do how does a small company figure out a master plan and does that master plan stay in place or does it have to evolve? I know yeah, it's I two think, loaded questions, but you get what I mean? Yeah. I, so first off, I think that a master plan should all, I, I can answer that one about evolving really, really simply. And that is that a master plan should always have a desired outcome oh, okay. and, and, a, and a time frame. And within that time frame, you need to make a decision to either pivot or persevere. Uh, it's a concept from um, Startup Nation. It's a, a book about the, the uh, startups within uh, the Israeli community. And they talks about these um, inflection points in your business where you have to make a choice to either pivot or persevere. Well, can I so ask you a bring, question right there? Real, because yeah. I don't want to lose that. Those um, inflection points, is that what you call inflections? Okay, those inflection points, how do I identify one? How do I know I have an inflection point? <laughs> is it a um, left or right decision, or is it a, wow, the world's my oyster? I can I heard a bundling conversation. Yeah, I think that um, I think that just my own opinion, the more focused you are are on your own business and what will drive you for success, the less you will let the shiny objects along the way to distract you. Um, and so, for instance, during the during the workshop we did last week, um, we were talking about something and I made and I don't remember the specific point, but I made a specific point to remind people that um, it was a really good thing they could do for their business. But if that wasn't what was important to their business, don't do it. So, so it's an inflection point to some people, but not to everyone. Correct. And that's the kicker is, is, you know, if you're launching your first product, then your first inflection point could be um, identifying the product and then it's identifying the manufacturer and then it's, you know, and, and, at, and the metric that you're following is profitability and you have to um, allow yourself to not become emotional. Like, you know, so just talking about that phase of the, of, of business, you, you, where most people fail is they start to become emotional and wanting a product to succeed versus the numbers telling them that they will succeed or fail. And I made that mistake. My first product that I launched Guilty. on Amazon was an utter failure, an utter failure. I, I lost, I lost a lot of money on it. Um, because, I was quick to want to get something up, um, and while the data was telling me that it what that it was good, the data wasn't telling me that it would be great, mm -hmm. and so I didn't have enough margin for my product to ultimately be successful. Now, that's also a lesson that I've learned. So I can't. I, I when I made that decision, I, I thought I had enough margin, and I learned my lesson from my failure. And when I went to go bring my next product to market, I was able to look for something with a higher profit margin, and I knew I wouldn't play with something that um, that that didn't work from that perspective. And in that second product, my failure was I didn't do inspections at the warehouse, and I brought product in, and the product actually started doing really well, and 
and my and and I started getting a lot of complaints of missing parts and um, it was it was a backgammon set. It wasn't manufactured properly. There was stitching coming out, and so you know you learn these little lessons along the way that help you to make better decisions um, in the future. And even though I've heard people over and over again talk about doing um, ASIN inspections and warehouse inspections, um, I was quick to want to bring this product to market because I felt I had an opportunity and I skipped a few steps and I ended up paying for it um, in the long run. And I think that uh, the best lessons you're going to learn are from the successes and mistakes that you make in your business. Um, and you have to have moments where you persevere and you push through them or you pivot and you send all of your products to, um, you know, to be destroyed. So it's almost like milestones you established, right? These little mile markers. Okay, I'm past the first stage. Check. Okay, boom. Now I have another stage. Check. I, even Andy, I remember one day we were in the warehouse and we were doing something and he's like, oh my God, look at that. He's taking pictures and he's like sending it to his, his Chinese company. And he's like, I've been, he was using this particular company for years and he did not get this container inspected. He'll say that. He'll tell you that story. And sure enough, uh, the product... Uh, whatever I, I can't say what it was but it, it had problems and yep. he's like it was the one he didn't do he said i've done it every time this time i needed it in faster so i didn't want to slow things down and boom he was disappointed and so that still happens so these milestones are they, they're yeah, almost like absolute that a milestone could be that or a milestone could be removing complexity from your business right like oh. um i don't like bookkeeping so the first thing i outsourced in my business was a bookkeeper okay um, okay. I don't like I started to get complexity with um, logistics and I started to get to the point where I needed to um, bring in larger quantity and keep it at a warehouse. And so I, you know, I found oh, a, a, I call. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I worked with Eddie him. and and he's and, and he now warehouses it for me. Um, you know, he's he's 30 minutes from me. Um, and so he warehouses it for me and I've got that all set up similar to the type of system that you that, that right. you've been building and right. and so they're they're different they're different inflection points in your business that was an inflection point of scale okay I now have something that's successful and I want to be able to scale it and I ran out of inventory twice and you know I mean it's killer when you run Death. out of inventory oh god and so I was starting to realize how much money it wasn't how much money it was gonna cost me to implement the 3PL service, it was how much money was I losing by not implementing mm. the 3PL service. And and so my, my mindset shifted because my original mindset was, oh, I can order three months worth and bring them in. But like you said, Amazon changed, right? So we used to be able to bring in three, six months worth of inventory, have it sit at Amazon, but then they, they brought the, uh, the performance index into play which means if my inventory sits there and doesn't turn fast enough, I'm going to start paying fees. Um, or they had the long-term storage fees if your product sat there for too long. And I had to change the way I was approaching my business to um, make sure, because I needed to ensure that my fees would remain consistent. Um, and so it's not necessarily about them being cheaper, but it's about them being consistent. 
and I needed to ensure that I wasn't running out of inventory because the lack of inventory was continuing to uh, reduce my ability to maximize my sales velocity. And so those were problems that I never could have realized when I initially launched the product. And one, well, one, I was going to say, one, was, I don't want to lose that because you had a master plan and then you added a new inflection point. That's what you're saying. So that's the evolution. You added a new inflection point outside of your control because things change. Hmm. Well, my, my, I mean, I'll be, I'll be very real with you. Um, I never opened an Amazon business with the intent of being a large, successful Amazon yeah, but seller. Now, now you're having some success. <laughs> and and it's it's kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like a drug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like, so. I so more. I need more. Right. And, and so it's like I opened up an Amazon business because um, I need I need to be able to um, explain how things work and the reality that I found was that that working with other people and you know being a teacher is different than being a student hmm. um, and by being a student I've become a much better teacher and I can I can learn things um, you know in conversations with Amazon they can tell me things about how Amazon advertising works and then I can go create campaigns around that concept and I can see that it was either full of crap or that it actually made a difference in my business. And so I'll give you a great example. Um, and I've been telling people this forever, but there's a report in Amazon advertising that's called the top of placement report that shows you um, how your ads perform when they're at the top of the placement versus in the rest of the page. And um, from that report, you can see what your conversion difference is. And what I identified in my own product was that when I was on the top of the page, my conversion was almost double what I was throughout the rest of search. So that was a clue. So, so I created a campaign that really heavily targeted a particular keyword for top of page. And I pay, like my math would have told me that I never should have paid more than $1.80 for a click. I pay, I think, $3.60 for a click for top of page. And it's my highest converting, lowest ACOS keyword. Okay, so back, let's just pause this back. So you realize, you get a clue, you run a report, you get a clue, and it says, hmm, when you're on top of the page, you sell more. Boom. All right, there's the simple, that's the, the short version. So you spent money, more money than you thought you would have or should have, to stay at the top of the page, and boom, your sales have increased. So because you're up there, you're selling so much more at the other end of it. The cost that your average cost you saying is much lower because yeah, of velocity. Your total, your, yeah. And, and, and I don't want to look at, I mean, listen, we could talk about the specific tip and how to implement it, but I think it's more about that. We're again, well, no, um, it's back to you. If you weren't selling that, you wouldn't have realized that. Right. And, and it, and it goes back to somebody shared information with me. And I was able to take action on that information to identify how it would impact my business. And I'm very clear to say that that doesn't work for everybody. And you have to mathematically – and advertising probably is the, the hardest of all of this yeah. because there's general rules like get your products inspected and we all say it's a best practice to do it. Um, 
advertising is one of the really difficult parts of the business where just because it works for one person doesn't mean it'll work for somebody else. Mm. Right, right. But but again, that gives you the ability to say, hey, Steve, I, I understand your challenges. Here's what we did in my business, and here's what happened. Here are the results I have. That's a real conversation as opposed to saying, well, the, you know, when if you go read Amazon's training, they say you do this. That's a different conversation, and it's much more believable, much more yeah. relatable. Maybe that's the better phrase. Yeah, and I think like – I don't know. I, f I feel like everybody in this, if you really look at it, most everybody in this space is either a seller or they worked for Amazon. <laughs> hmm. And and what I'll almost argue is that those who were actually sellers are smarter than those who worked for Amazon. And I'm not knocking any of the yeah. Amazon gurus that are out there because a lot of the ones who are in the space today and have built great names for themselves have done both. Right, right. Um, and I think that, um, I, but, but I, I know that when you go to Amazon and you talk to them and, and a lot of sellers have seen this over time is you talk to Amazon and it's like, they're giving you the tech, they're giving you the textbook version of how to do something. And, and you know, the reality is that that what they're telling you doesn't always work. Hmm. And I think that what's important, what, what's been important to me and, and the Jeff Cohen brand, the Seller Labs brand is, and, and you know, you've known this about me from the get-go. One, I never want to tell you anything that's going to get your account in trouble. Um, that's a, that's like a, a, like, that's like a staple, like part of my persona that I take very seriously. Um, if, if I'm never going to share information that somebody could use and then come back and go, I got suspended because I heard this from Jeff. Right. Um, that's, that's one piece. The second is, is that I want to, um, be able to share information that we have, we have done. We have either implemented for a client or we have done ourselves to know that it works as opposed to believing that it works. Um, and a great example is like I, I, I support Andy's um, course. Um, I haven't gone through Andy's course, but like I've used Andy's um, – he, he has this whole detailed spreadsheet, and I've used his spreadsheet to identify my products um, to understand how he looks at product identification different than how somebody else looks at product identification. And so I'm not just rubber stamping, and I know – People don't know this about you, but I probably get a message from you once or twice a week that says, do you know this person? Do you think they're credible? Um, and I have the to filter. Of You're one of my you filters. I, I yeah. have to because I, I just don't know. Their salespeople, they sell me, or the PR companies are like, Steve, this guy's got the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I don't know what to do, so I go to the people I trust who I've seen over time, Jeff. That's the other thing about Andy stuff. I've seen him over time consistently, you know, do well, what the he challenge, said. Well, the challenge that's in this, the challenge that's in this space um, for Amazon sellers is um, do you chase the latest, greatest fad mm. or do you stick to the tried and true for the long-term win? And I think this is a... Um, this, uh, this is a, a well, which has been more successful. Would you say when, well, when you look at the people, you know, and you know, way more than I do, I know a lot of people, you know, way more than I do who, who's having success. So, so I'll be, I'll be very real. We'll have another one of our Barbara Walter moments. Oh, here we um, go. All right, Jeff. 
you know, I want you to relax. I, I want you to that, tell me, you know, I want you to, let's be honest. It's just you and I, come on. Yeah. Tell me. I think that it's very difficult to get started in this space and be completely 100% white hat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to touch into gray. Um, and, and, but the risk of your business at the early days of using some of the gray is, is not very, it's not extremely risky. And because the brand isn't too far along, it's not, you don't have that much inventory. You haven't, you haven't gotten to scale yet. Yes. And okay. as your, and as your business grows, you, it's something that you have to become significantly more cognizant of. And it may be even something that you have to backtrack from. I'll, let me give you an example. Um, uh, listing variations. Um, it was very common practice two years ago to, um, to, we'll call it fib on listing variations. And, um, and the terms of service around listing variations over the last two years have not really changed. Okay. But it was pretty common two years ago, um, and there was total black, um, which black hat, which is like associating yourself to a ghost listing, a, a listing that has reviews but is no longer selling, that has nothing to do with your product. That's a total black hat technique so that wait, I don't go, recommend. Go, go, give me an example. So tell me, give me a real example. Um, I, I, a real example, I'm selling a baseball and I find a pair of, I find an eyeglass holder that's no longer selling on Amazon, but has 300 reviews. So the listing have, is still live. The listing is still live, but not active because it doesn't have inventory. Right, it's dormant. And I take my baseball, we'll call it a baseball holder. Um, I take my baseball holder and I attach it to my eyeglass holder um, as a variation, which then gives me the connection to the review count, even though the reviews are different. The review so count. It's, at that time, two years ago, it was just the the algorithm said, ooh, lots of reviews, therefore yep. it's good, regardless yep. of what it is. Didn't matter. Yep. You're selling cars, and you put it on but that's totally black. That's totally okay. black hat. That's been that was like, everyone known not to do that for years. Okay. But what people were doing was I have a baseball holder, um, and I'm going to make a red, blue, and pink version of the baseball holder. Um, that's a that's a variation that's legal. That's le legit. Um, yeah. I'm going to make a baseball holder, and I'm going to make a one-pack, a two-pack, and a three-pack. That's Makes totally sense. legal. That's right. legit. It's not legit to have um, one of your variations be pink and one of your variations to be a two-pack. Variations are supposed to be one or the other. Um, oh, interesting. It's not it, – it, it's – you're not supposed to take your variations and make a variation, a baseball holder. And then one of the variations is a baseball with a holder. Okay. Uh, that's um, a totally separate product. It that's should what, be that, a separate that's product. That's what Amazon wants is a separate, yes. complete product. Yeah. I yes. think that's not what people were teaching for a long time. The bundle right. courses were, Hey, take an ad, a pen with that paper. And man, now all of a sudden you've yes. got a writer's package. Yep. And so that's something that um, I, I'd call it gray, um, but I would say that I, I like to use the, the analogy of driving down the highway with a speed limit. The speed limit was 55 and you were going 75. You might get pulled over, but you're probably going to just be allowed to go. Well, today, 
as we're starting to see more and more cases coming through, that's now like driving 8590. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it maybe is something that you did when you launched your first product to get yourself going um, or to or to or to boost the product in its sales in its early days. But now if you've got a hundred thousand or a million dollar business, if you do that, you're putting your whole business at risk. But and isn't so, the argument though, you know, look, there you know, all these external Asian uh, accounts are, are being created and they're doing it. And so therefore if I don't do it, I'm not gonna be successful. Yeah, and I, so I, I've heard that argument. Um, there's actually a guy who sells a, a, a very expensive $10,000 product, and his whole argument is you're not doing this to cheat Amazon. You're doing this to fight against those who cheat Amazon. <laughs> and I'm mm. like, yeah, but you're cheating Amazon by doing it. Like, <laughs> you're not cheating Amazon. You're cheating the terms of service by doing it. Um I think the answer to that is you have to again you have to make the determination of what you're going to of what you want your business to be, how much risk you want to take in your business and where you see yourself going in the long run. And I think that most sellers um that I've met that are doing a half million or more a year are pretty clean in their business. Yeah, the risk averse. Their 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 aversion of risk starts to decline significantly. Um, there's definitely ones who are still like, oh, you know, nobody's proven to me that that's really illegal. Um, and there's some things out there that you know are still debatable. Launching services, um, review. Well, the review your one data. is pretty pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah, different ways of doing reviews, exporting your data and using ManyChat. You know, there's things like that that are all sit in the gray. And, uh, you know, any what do they say? Uh, Anybody can convince themselves that what they're doing isn't wrong. Hmm. And so if you convince yourself that what you're doing isn't wrong, that's fine. But understand the risk you're taking with your business because it's Amazon's playbox. It's Amazon's sandbox and you're asking to play in it. You know, one of the things that I think another thing that affects people when you start taking responsibility for other people, meaning you have staff who has families, right? And you start having those responsibilities. um, You want to put their lives into the potential of getting your account suspended because you're trying to advance the system. You're trying to play with the system. So I I think you're right. I think what you're saying is it's a sliding scale of risk. Um, It's very minimal in the beginning as you scale up, as it gets legs. So is that what, is that what people are doing is when they see something getting legs, that's when their risk meter gets, gets more uh, in tune. I think that um, I, I really think it comes down to the individual seller, but I think that most, and and, and I'm, I'm looking mostly at brands. So most brands who have built and established themselves um, are building themselves in a, in a manner using um, external websites like Shopify or external resources like a blog or Facebook channel to build a community to be less dependent on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're seeing Amazon as a distribution channel um, that's part of a greater that's part of a cog in their greater. It's one of many distribution channels. Yeah. 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 You know, I think about Amazon doing the same thing when they sell their Amazon basic batteries, when you buy something electronic, they're not 
pushing EverReady batteries on me. They're pushing Amazon Basic batteries, right? So that's kind of a yeah. gray hat kind of thing too, isn't it? I mean, it kind of is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, so yeah, don't okay. don't uh, don't disagree with that. And I think that it's a it's probably one of the things that I've changed my opinion on the most over the last couple of years. Um, I still believe that I want to share information that won't that won't get people in trouble. Um, and I want people to know information that will get them in trouble. Um, but yeah. I've probably become more of the realist that um, there are times in your business that you have to take a little bit of risk. And that's no different than driving down the road and the light turns yellow and you decide to gun it through the light. Right. Right? Like, like you're taking a little bit of risk. You're taking a, you're increasing your risk by doing that. And, um, I think that that's the, the choices that we have to make in, in, in having a business and in building a business. Um, we take risk by buying inventory. Um, however you acquire it, you're, yep. you're, you're taking, you're taking risk. And so almost everything you do in your business is an assessment of risk and reward. You know, I'm thinking about the speed limit again. That was a good example, right? That, that analogy is that, you know, you're doing, you're pushing, the speed limit's 55 and you're pushing 60, 62, whatever it is. And in my area, they changed some of the speed limits to 70. Now, that guy way back in the day who was doing 59 and got pulled over and got a ticket, he's like, wait, the road, yep. you know, and now all of a sudden the law changed. And so that's part of it. The rules changed. They evolved. And I assume, this is my, Steve's assumption, and I think I'm right, is that these rules aren't put in place to stifle uh, sales because that's where they make their money. They put these rules to try to prevent uh, the customers negatively being affected, right? These Because somebody's pushing the envelope so far, they have to put a a rule or a law kind of in place to to keep it in under some level of control. And so and that's reasonable, but they do evolve. And I appreciate it. What you're saying is that the successful people, especially in the beginning, are pushing the envelope, not breaking it, but they're pushing it. Right. Yeah. And that's I think fair. I mean, I, I think you I, I think you hit the nail. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. And like that's the that's the kicker to it. Um, and I just, I, I mean, going back to the gurus, I just wish that gurus were more open and sharing, um, when they were, sh when they're sharing things that they're, that they're open and sharing the risks that you're taking with the actions that you're doing. Mm. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that I think sometimes, um, we hear somebody say it. So we believe that it's true and we believe that we can do it, but, by doing it, we get ourselves in trouble and you can't at the end go, well, the guy in the passenger seat told me to go through the red light. So yeah, I, yeah. I went through the red light. Like the bartender he told served me, me. I, Hey, you know, right. it's his fault. You, right? you got to take response. And I think you brought up a really good point and it's something that, that I've seen it uh, over the life and growth of seller labs. Like we take our employees and our, and our responsibility to our employees very seriously in terms of cash in the bank to cover payroll and health insurance and all these other things. And so um, one of the other things that happens in a business as a business evolves is that things that can impact your business um, one day become very minor another day. And so like your warehouse is a great example. If, if I, you know, if I was to, you may, today take anyone on as a warehouse client because you're you're getting started but six or 12 months from now half the people you would take on today 
you would say no to yeah. <laughs> because you now know there's a minimum level of profit that you need to be able to make. And so a lot of people come to us and they ask us to do things and we're like, yeah, you know, it just, it's not enough to impact our business. Right. And, and it sounds really horrible to say, but like, you know, when you're trying to move the needle on a, on a $10,000 business, anything you do can move that needle. When you're trying to do that on a million dollar business, it's hard to move the needle. And so if you're a, a, a half million dollar Amazon seller and you've been successful, let's just say you've been successful in doing that with two products, then in theory, for you to get to a million, you probably need to add five more products because you're not going to be as lucky to just get two more winners, right? right? right. Um, and, and, and those are the risks that you have to take in your business because you need to continue to fund what you already have but be able to take the risk in bringing new stuff in to be able to expand your business to the level you want to get it at. Um, and maybe you don't want it any bigger. Maybe you're good with it being a half million and making, you know, if it serves a purpose, right? Right. Maybe you just want an extra 50,000 a year and it, and it nets you 50 grand, 10% after all expenses and everything paid. And you're just, you're just happy with that. We, uh, we have a, a client that is a Q4 seller and his, product came in maybe June, maybe May, end of May, June, but it'll be all gone within the next two weeks. And that's his business model. And guess yep. what? You know, that's for him. I'm sure he plans all the rest of the year to do this. And, you know, big, I mean, it's it's big. It is seven figures. It, bang, that's his model. You know, I was thinking of the title for this, and I got this, Pivot or Persevere in Your Amazon Business Based Upon Your Relative Risk Meter. I think, I think the risk meter is so important. I love the way you describe it sliding as your business goes bigger because I think yep. you're right. I mean, workman's comp, you start dealing with all these other issues, right? We had insurance inspectors here yesterday. I mean, these things start to affect your business. And so you have to start planning for those things. But in startup or back at our warehouse, we use used equipment to start our warehouse. Now we're like, okay, we need reliability. Now, yep. We don't need cheap. We need to invest. Um Seller Labs has lots of products. I'm not pitching any of them today. We use Scope. We use uh, Feedback Genius. We use lots of their products. Um, if you go to sellerlabs.com, you can find out about all that Jeff is talking about. They have a very large advertising business. Uh, they do big clients. They got a lot of big clients. Um, it's been a big piece of their business. Um, but again, I look at consistency. You know, the five years, four years that we've known each other, again, I look to see who's leading and who's consistent over time. And uh, you guys have really, really done well. And so I appreciate it. I can put your contact, Jeff. Um, I know you, you're reachable on Facebook, but also uh, email. Can I put that in there? Just in case yeah, somebody absolutely. wants to reach out. And it, it, yeah. it connect with me on LinkedIn. I always say, you know what? Connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the best way okay. um, to connect with me is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, so maybe put a we can put a link to my LinkedIn page. I'll put it there. Uh, I love talking about Amazon. Also, um, you know, we're I I, don't, I didn't even tell you this, but you know, we'll be doing our fifth year of Resonate this year um, in 2020, and we're moving the date to September oh. uh, to not be in conflict with uh, all the other trade shows that seem to occur between April, May, and June. Um, and that'll be in Atlanta again. We're limiting uh, to 125 attendees. Uh, so we're going to keep it small, which uh, which has been something that a lot of people have said they've enjoyed. Um, and so, you know, would love. 
Well, Good it's back to the to, beginning uh, of the discussion. It's when you're you're around iron sharpens iron. When you're around yep. people who have similar issues, because your issues as you scale your business are going to be different. Um, I just met a funny story. Guy I met at not the last resonate, the resonate before. Great guy. And I was in where was I? I was in San Diego this past week, and we're, I'm sitting there talking to a company, and we're talking about blah blah blah. He knew him. We're sitting there talking because their company is so strong, and it's just hilarious to have those worlds collide because I was there for one of our clients and to see those worlds collide because of the level of success that they've had. And and I would say that that client would say it's Resonate that's helped them. So I I think it's pretty awesome. So I will put all the contact information. Again, that risk meter, I love – I love that your mind has changed. And again, it's because you're a seller. You run into the same problems we do. That relevancy is so important. So if you're having challenges in your business, reach out to Jeff. Uh, Wealth of information, and there is no charge to talk to Jeff. You don't have a charge. You don't have a consulting fee, do you? (laughs) No, No. I don't don't charge. I don't do consulting, but uh, but I might ask you to to buy one of our softwares. There you go. Hey, dude, I, I really appreciate it. It won't be as long next time before we chat. Um, I really appreciate it. Again, consistency over time. The best uh, predictor of future performance is past. And, and when you see that consistently, that's what you look for. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Thanks. Such a terrific guy. And again, I look at people over time. I think we've known each other almost five years and consistency. And they've been sponsors of my show in the past. And I'm, I'm assuming they give me links and stuff like that. I'm not I just appreciate what they do. And again, I love consistency over time. And I think uh, Seller Labs is one of those companies. So, you know, they've got a ton of different products. They help you with advertising. They've got scope, which I like. Again, I can look at keywords from my competitors and then utilize them myself. That's very valuable to us. Um, They've got Feedback Genius. They've got so many other tools. Go check them out, sellerlabs.com. Reach out to Jeff on LinkedIn and just you know, again, when you're stuck and you don't know who to ask, Jeff is one of my filters. He mentioned it there, but it's the truth. I get PR companies all the time asking me, you know, hey, can I get on your show, get on your show? I'm like, I got to check them out. And so Jeff is one of my filters that I run their names by because he knows so many people. And and I look for, again, I'm trying to avoid uh, bringing you, you know, the fly-by-night type of people. I don't want those in my life, so I don't, I clearly don't want to add them to yours. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.